Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Baer's Moving Markets podcast. It's Tuesday, the 13th of February, and my name is Helen Freer. So the US CPI report is due later on today. I'll be talking first of all this morning about the expectations here, as well as more market news with my colleague, John T. Warris. And Manuel Villegas is also back on the podcast this morning. So I'll be getting his latest thoughts on digital assets, particularly what drove Bitcoin above $50,000. But let's start with a roundup of the latest market news. Good morning, John T. Good morning, Helen. Now, yesterday we saw new data gauging pretty stable expectations among US consumers for inflation going forwards, with medium-term expectations even dropping further. Can you fill us in on the details here, first of all? Yes, that's right. The Federal Reserve Bank of New York said in its January survey of consumer expectations yesterday that inflation projections for one year and five years from now were unchanged at readings of three and two and a half percent. At the same time, uh, US consumer expectations for inflation over the medium term, so in three years from now, dropped to 2.4 percent, the lowest level since at least 2013. Uh, Americans' inflation's expectations for frequently purchased goods such as food and petrol pulled back in January, according to the survey findings. So Helen, this data will help reassure Fed officials who say that they're seeking more confidence that inflation is set to remain near their 2% target before they even entertain cutting interest rates. Uh, Investors are just about still betting that the Fed will begin easing in May, although that probability currently stands at just 52%. Okay, um, staying in the US, how did markets fare in yesterday's session? So US equities were mixed largely in trading yesterday with the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq ending not far off their worst levels, though small caps outperformed. The S&P struggled to push much further above the 5,000 level after crossing the level for the first time on Friday, closing the session at 5,021 points. Utilities and energy were the outperformers of the day, while the real estate and tech sectors were the largest drag on returns. In fixed income, U.S. Treasuries were firmer, and we saw a little curve steepening, with the yield on the two-year at 4.47 when I checked a moment ago. Uh, Elsewhere in currencies, the U.S. dollar saw some fluctuation, with the dollar edging a little higher versus peers ahead of today's key U.S. inflation data. Gold ended down 0.3%, while WTI crude settled up 0.1% after gaining over 6% last week. And Bitcoin futures were up 5.5%, back above the significant $50,000 mark for the first time since December 2021. Okay. And yes, as I mentioned at the start, I'll be speaking to Manuel a little later in today's show, and I'm sure he'll give us some more colour on the recent developments in Bitcoin. Um, Now, though, let's move over to Europe, where we saw some unemployment data out of France and the UK, actually this morning. What can you tell us there, Jonti? Yeah, so according to data published this morning, the unemployment rate in France came in at a steady 7.5% in the fourth quarter of 2023, in line with the 7.5% seen in Q3 and just a tick higher than the market forecast of 7.4%. UK unemployment, on the other hand, came in at 3.8%, slightly lower than the expected 4%. The pound is trading higher on the back of this hotter data, which will be grabbing traders' interest today and is encouraging news for the UK labour market, where inflationary pressures in the market are slowly cooling. The Bank of England has been adamant that inflation is too far above its 2% target to risk a premature cut, and interest rate traders are assigning about a 70% chance of a first rate reduction from the Bank of England when it meets on June the 20th. 
Right. Now, moving over to Asia, where most Asian markets are open today, although China, Hong Kong, Taiwan and Vietnam are closed because of the Lunar New Year holiday. Um, So how are Asian markets doing in today's session? So we're seeing some lighter activity and trading volumes uh, than usual over the holidays, but Asian equities are trading broadly higher today. Uh, Japan and Korea indices are up over 2% and 1% respectively, with the Nikkei up strongly by almost 2.9%. Uh, and the Nikkei is having a very strong start to the year. Uh, Australian markets are around flat after data out overnight showed that Australia's services price inflation remains high and is only expected to cool gradually. Other data out of Australia showed that business conditions eased and confidence remained subdued, pointing to softer economic growth as tight monetary policy takes its toll, while consumers reported a more upbeat outlook on expectations that interest rate hikes have ended. Otherwise, Indian markets are up around 0.3% after a bit of a pullback yesterday. And maybe lastly, Jonty, what should investors be looking out for today then? So this morning, we can expect to see Swiss inflation figures, where expectations are for a very low reading of 1.7%. We'll also see Germany's ZEW survey expectations, which should give us an indication of expert opinions on the direction of the German economy over the next six months. And this afternoon, before the US market open, the main topic moving markets today, Helen, will be the US CPI figures, which will offer clues as to where rates are headed. The market is forecasting a further slowing in inflation toward the Fed's 2% target. Expectations here are for annual US inflation to have dropped to 2.9% in January from uh, 3.4% in December, which would be the first year-over-year reading below 3% since March 2021. This report is likely to further support the disinflationary trend and should help determine the scope and timing of rate cuts this year by the Fed. Bloomberg Economics expects the report to show less disinflation in core goods, but more in core services. Perhaps on that note and looking at the broader picture, the market is currently pricing in a total of four or five rate cuts this year, compared with Powell's forecast of three, right? Yes, and uh, expectations of three cuts in the US this year is in line with our economists' predictions too, as the Fed really seems to be in no hurry to start cutting rates. Our economists don't expect the first rate cut to come until May, with a total of three cuts in 2024. So uh, let's see what the US CPI data brings this afternoon, Helen. Elsewhere, earnings season continues with releases expected today uh, from Airbnb, Coca-Cola and Shopify. Um, Before I go, a quick look at the futures markets shows that US equities look set for a flat to slightly negative open around the zero line later today. While today's Asian session looks to be giving way to a strong open in Europe, with the pan-European stock 600 near a two-year high, we could see some profit-taking today by investors. And that's about it from me for today, Helen. Excellent. Thank you very much, John T, for the great roundup this morning. Thanks for having me. And now over to you, Manuel. Welcome back and good morning, firstly. Good morning, Helen. So we already touched on it a couple of minutes ago, Manuel. Bitcoin rose uh, above the $50,000 mark. What's been behind this rally, would you say? You know, all in all, what, what has happened is that we have this new cohort of US Bitcoin spot ETFs, which continue to see new net inflows. We see large volumes, we see more liquidity. And we see increasingly tighter spreads. As of now, the two largest ETFs of the recently approved cohort have also been the two largest launches in terms of AUM since inception in ETF history. 
Bitcoin prices have rallied over 15%, as you rightly said, in the past week, actually around 17%. After a couple of weeks of sideways price action, which was by and large not indicative of the sentiment. So the reasoning has been pretty much concentrated on the inflows and the effects these have had on the markets, which had experienced this low market death um, until, until now. And why have volumes grown so much? So, uh, as you say, as of yesterday, the so-called newborn nine, which are the new approved cohort, uh, products, excluding the the two legacy ones, let's say, have received almost 10 billion of inflows. And the, the downward pr- uh, price pressure we've had before was coming from one of the larger legacy products, which was seeing a steady outflow in terms of assets, right? So as of now, the new products have completely offset these outflows and are setting down all in all an overall net flow of around $3.5 billion as of yesterday. And the most important factor is that this velocity of outflows coming from the legacy products have been decreasing considerably and have reduced the downside pressure on spot Bitcoin prices. So another important feature is the in-cash underlying settlement mechanism, which is behind the settlement or issuance of of the shares of the CTFs. Because you have to settle in cash and not in kind, the asset managers have to actually go out and buy the Bitcoins or otherwise would have as as what happened in the first few weeks, had to go out and sell the bitcoins on the open market, putting a lot of stress on the order books. Another important topic has been the fact that some of the asset managers are also including positions in some of these new ETFs across other asset class mandates, right? So you are seeing this cross allocation and this allocation to Bitcoin in small numbers, but still relevant between 1% and 3% for other cross-asset mandates. Okay, what would it be important to bear in mind then going forward? So, let's be honest. So the recent happenings have not been for free, and they have certainly been at the expense of something. In this case, it has been the CME futures open interest, which has been reducing quite a lot since the ETFs were approved. And the reason is simple, because these synthetics entail natural implicit costs, which tend to lean towards a return divergence against spot prices. And as you say, looking forward, the most important topic on the Bitcoin network's near future remains concentrated on the upcoming halving expected on the 22nd of April. It's an estimated date, so bear that in mind. And on another note, we have key macroeconomic indicators, as Dante was saying before, will provide further guidance in price expectations for the performance of the asset, which is closest to that of risk on assets, as we've been mentioning these past few months. And that's all from my end. Helen, back to you. Very good. Thanks a lot, Manuel. So that's it for today. Thank you again to my guest this morning and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and please also leave us a review on whichever platform you'd like to listen on. And do join us again tomorrow when Bernadette Andeco will be your host and she'll be speaking to more of our colleagues about what is moving markets. Have a great day, everyone, and bye for now.
The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Für unsere deutschsprachigen Zuhörer. We would also like to make you aware of Marktanalysen und Gespräche, a monthly podcast in German, where Julius Baer experts discuss some of the latest market developments. We share our key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape in German. Search for Marktanalysen und Gespräche on your favorite podcast player.